Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Origination, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorigination.com. Before we jump in, though, I do love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton with visibility. Share and subscribe wherever you found this, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Tune in your favorite podcast platform. We're on all of them except Spotify because, well, we'll just talk about that later. Uh, And we also want to talk to you about a really cool opportunity. If you ever wanted to start a podcast, our podcast host, Podium, is offering all of our listeners the opportunity to sign up for a 14-day free trial of their pre premium services and get 25% off a premium membership for your first three months. Now, Podient is a service that Kyle and I both really, really love. They handle all of the technical stuff for you. They make it really easy. All you got to do is edit. You post it on the site. They create your RSS feed. If you're like me that you didn't even know what an RSS feed was before you started thinking about podcasting, it's great. You can, again, put it up on the site. They'll push it out to all the services. They track your listeners, which makes it really great to try to get more advertisers and and do all the things that you want to do as you grow an audience. So again, if you want to sign up for a free 14-day free trial. Uh, so if you want to sign up for a 14-day free trial of their premium services and get 25% off, all you need to do is log on to podient.co. That's P-O-D-I-A-N-T dot C-O and sign up using the offer code Longhorn for, again, 25% off your first three months of your premium membership after that 14-day free trial is up. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I am joined by my good friend, the illest, the realest, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how you doing, bud? Oh, I'm doing wonderful, fresh off a uh, week-long vacation. I had a wedding um, to start it off. I had a week in New Orleans, had an engagement party for good friend of the pod, frequent listener Mario, uh, was engaged, got to be in the same city as you, G. That was pretty big. Yeah, it, it hasn't happened in quite some time, actually, really. It felt good. It was nice. Nice to see see the, the wife and the kid and just uh, spend a little time with the uh, the old crew. Um, also, uh, you know, it's just a big week for me because, you know, we're, we're talking football and stuff today, but it's also... You know, we're we're getting into the the real meat and bones. I'm a big soccer guy, and uh, it seems like football is coming home. And I mean football in the uh, the English sense of the sense of the word. So it's uh, World Cup fever, baby. It's here. The footy. So we're going to talk about some American football today. We've got two interviews for you. Not our usual two interviews because we actually did not have any weird scheduling stuff happen. So we've got Kendall Cout of our Daily Bears on to continue our season preview, and then we're going to bring on. After him, kind of keeping the cipher going, uh, they call that back door and when you're freestyling. Cody Daniel hitting up a recruiting update for you. Texas had some big recruiting moves in the last few weeks. We wanted to bring him on to update you, and then we will obviously close the show out with some bang the drum. Since you mentioned freestyling, before we get into serious stuff, I want to mention one time, Gerald, standing outside of your house in college, I'll never forget the time that uh, I, I was flabbergasted when a uh, good friend of the pod, Sid Sinha, uh, um, responded to one of my 3 a.m. freestyles with something like Biggie weigh like 40 ducks. And I went and used the American Mallard conversion. Um, and Biggie did weigh just about 39.6 standard Mallard ducks. So that's, while I thought it was the dumbest line I'd ever heard on retrospect, shout out to to, to Sid, who I haven't talked to since college. Uh, I'll give you some some late, late credit. Uh, the greatest freestyle line I've ever ever been dropped upon me. 
And now we're going to bring on Kendall Kout of Our Daily Bears. He has joined us tonight to continue our season preview series. We're firing through the Big 12 schedule, and we're on to the Daily Bears. Kendall, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing really well, Gerald. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be here. Let's just get started. Baylor um, breaks up our theme that we've had going on thus far, where every team that we've talked about has had some sort of weird question at quarterback, whether it is with OU, if their quarterback is going to play professional baseball, or if it's, you know, we had a string of three teams that both of their starters had injury. So it's, it's been a fun ride. Baylor does not have that problem. Charlie Brewer is the man. So what does Charlie Brewer like bring to the Baylor offense uh, and what can fans expect from, uh, from the writing? Uh, he should be really good. Um, his father, uh, played at Texas. His family has been really involved at quarterback in the state of Texas as well. He was at Lake Travis High School, set the national high school record for completion percentage his senior year, and led them to the Texas Class One or Class Six Division One. Always confusing to me how Texas plays high school football. It's tough uh, since I'm from Kansas, but he did all that. So he's a very accomplished high school quarterback. Took over with five games left in the season. Really accurate dude. Can move a little bit. Is similar to Baker Mayfield in terms of. Very accurate, is a little mobile, not real similar to him in terms of he's a human being you would like to hang out with. Um, so he's a good quarterback. Uh, not not going to put the pressure on him to be as skilled as Baker Mayfield, but he was the Big 12 co-offensive freshman of the year. So expectations are very high for Charlie Brewer down in Waco. You know, he's he's yet another, like, Lake Travis homegrown quarterback that ended up elsewhere. So uh, excuse me if I'm a little salty about that. Um, so he's he's... He was committed to SMU and then ended up at Baylor, and so he's he's kind of been called upon now to carry this offense. So what does um, what does his skill set, I guess, provide for a wide open offense like Baylor has been running for what seems like forever and frustrating everybody in the conference? Yeah, so the um, skill set he brings seems to be very good for whatever Baylor now wants to be on offense, and that's kind of the criticism people now have of the Matt Rule offense under Jeff Nixon is exactly what is it trying to be. They mixed up some formations late in the year. They ran a diamond formation where they'd have three guys in the backfield. But this offense should be pretty good at the skill positions next year with Charlie Brewer. He releases the ball very quickly. He does a pretty good job most of the time making decisions. question with him is going to be how great is his arm strength. There's a reason why he was committed to SMU originally and not committed to Baylor, TCU, Texas, or the Aggies, I guess, with whatever they're trying to do. Um, with Jimbo Fisher, but we could make A&M jokes till the night ended. Um, so he's got a lot of skill. He's a talented guy. If the arm strength develops, he had a shoulder injury last year, he should be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Love it. So Baylor's offense may be one of the most, uh, at least experience-wise and talent-wise, kind of stacked in the conference. Well, uh, you know, with, with the running backs they've got, Hasty, Jamichael, which, again, ba- that's a great name for a running back. I oh, just yeah. got to pause <laughs> there. Uh, and John Lovett, both of those guys saw time in 2017. Uh, what do what do they bring to the table as far as that one-two punch kind of, you know, maybe it's even lightning and more lightning in a lot of cases. Uh, to, what do they bring to the to the table for Baylor, and how do they uh, how do they move that offense forward? Sure, they're two great running backs. Jermichael Hasty um, was a really fast guy coming out of high school, was a four-star recruit, was a big coup kind of at the end of the Bryles era. John Lovett was a kid from New Jersey. A lot of people are like, what's this dude doing coming down to Waco? Since there wasn't much of a non-Texas footprint in the Bryles era in terms of recruiting and especially on offense. Um, he was super fast. He gets outside pretty well. Hasty's more elusive than Lovett will be. 
Hasty's likely to get a majority of the carries. His issue has been staying healthy. So whether Hasty, especially on an offensive line that still has some questions, can stay healthy will be the big issue for the Bears with him. But if Hasty and Lovett are healthy all season, if Baylor has any problems running the football, it's unlikely to be because of those two. It's much more likely to be because the offensive line still struggles. So with that offensive line, you know, it is – um, is another year under their belts enough? Do they do they get some talent in the off season? Like what's and you know, what's what's been missing with that group? So hopefully another off season will kind of help them. That's a really good question uh, that you asked, Gerald. There are kind of two issues. One is new blocking schemes. The blocking schemes under um, the Bryles administration um, were kind of more simple because it was, hey, we're getting the ball out pretty quickly. The whether it's Seth Russell, Bryce Petty. Nick Florence, Robert Griffin, you read the linebacker, you make the decision, you have two or three reads you make, that's what's going to happen. Blocking scheme was a little more complicated under George DeLeon in his first season. Now they have a new offensive line coach this season. So hopefully the personnel is better. Jake Fromm Morgan was a starter at Clemson on their national championship team, set out when he had transferred, transferred to another school before coming to Baylor, should be pretty good. Giancarlo Valentin was a junior conference All-American, should be a pretty good talent as well. Um, Sam Tecklenburg was a converted tight end who became an offensive lineman and started at center last season. So hopefully he is better this year. Um, the kind of question for the Bears that they're going to have a lot of the same dudes is year two of what was very bad. Can it become mediocre? Skill positions are good enough that if they can become mediocre, the team should go bowling. But it is a fair issue to wonder, can they be mediocre in year two? I think they can be at some spots, but it's July. It is the eternal optimism of July in college football. Anybody telling you Baylor's offensive line is going to be good, I think, is lying to you. I just am hoping for mediocre, and if they're mediocre, they should go bowling. And and as a Texas fan last year, we we absolutely had that exact same feeling of, of wishing and hoping and rooting for mediocrity. So uh, I wish you all the best with that. It's very fun. Um, but uh, one thing that I you kind of touched, and I think you you don't really have to worry about on the skill position side is the receiving core. You know, you have Denzel Mims, uh, who's back after, you know, just really lining up the Big 12 last year. And we know he's he's a talented guy. And the rest of the receiving core around him um, may not be quite as uh, name recognition. Who are the guys that uh, that you're looking for and as Longhorn fans we should keep an eye on uh, heading into that game? Sure, the top three wide receivers on Baylor, if they stay healthy, I think compete with anybody else in the league. Obviously, Texas with Lil Jordan Humphrey. Um, and as a Baylor guy, I still believe that um, Donovan Duvernay, I am shocked that he's not done better at Texas since that was the guy when Baylor lost him. Him and Patrick Hudson, who Texas also has, were the, kind of the two guys that Baylor fans yeah. were like, these dudes are obviously going to be very good. Hudson, I guess you at least have the injuries. But Duvernay is kind of the guy, I guess, for your Longhorns. But the top three for Baylor should be very good receivers. Denzel Mims was a 1,000-yard receiver on a team. They couldn't block, and for half the season did not have a second target. Chris Platt tore his ACL, was a skilled guy two years ago for the Bears, one of the fastest dudes on the team, really smart guy as well. And then Jalen Hurd was a five-star guy at Tennessee, ran for over 1,000 yards for the Volunteers, transferred to Baylor because his belief is that he's more likely to be in the NFL at that size, playing wide receivers. So those top three wideouts, uh, hard to put anybody else kind of, I think even in the country, that matches up with those top three. Obviously, if you say that they're better one or two somewhere else, you could say that. Um, you could also say with kind of how the offensive line is not going to be great still, that receiver core will not achieve what maybe an Ohio State will or what an Alabama will. Uh, but you put those three up there and you put them on Alabama, you put them on Ohio State, they would achieve, I think, kind of monumental results because those top three, you put up with anybody. 
Yeah, Jalen Hurd, to me, is one of the most intriguing guys in this whole college football season anywhere in the country. Um, I don't know. I mean, I knew he caught some passes at Tennessee, but I don't know um, what his pedigree is there. But, uh, I mean, you're, you're looking for him to step right in and be, be a go-to guy, it sounds like. Uh, absolutely. The thing that always seems to happen when somebody transfers is you hear they're the best guy on the team, whether that's in basketball or whether that's in football. Um, but the kind of response that a lot of people seem to have is that Jalen Hurd is the best player for Baylor. Now, I think Denzel Mims still actually is, but people are saying Jalen Hurd is the best player that the Bears have, and so he should have a big season. The guy who's never seen the field in your uniform automatically becomes the best player. Because right. all we have is our imagination. He's ne- never dropped a pass in Waco. <laughs> right, I'm sure like Dylan Ostakowski for Texas basketball when he wasn't playing, I'm sure people were like, oh my god, this guy looks like Bill Walton, he might as well be Bill Walton, and then you see... They play, and we have that with Baylor basketball, too, where every once in a while you'll be like, oh, my God, this dude. And they'll play, and you'll be like, yeah, this dude, there's a reason he left somewhere else. But I think <laughs> Jalen Hurd legitimately is very good. He'll be a top 10 guy on the team for sure. But I think we got to calm down saying he's definitely better than Denzel Mims, which some people have said. Well, it, it, seems, it seems unfair to have two guys that are that big and that fast, though, in the same receiving group. Uh, as as a as a fan of a team that's going to have to figure out how on God's green earth to defend them, it seems a bit uh, it seems a bit scary to just line up against those guys. So uh, yeah, hopefully you know the offensive line can hold up and Brewer can can deliver them the ball at least on every Saturday but one. If you're coming from my perspective, uh, <laughs> so you know it's it's weird talking about defense in the Big Twelve, um, but there's you know there's a there's a question I want to ask because you know defensively Baylor lost one of the most productive linebackers in school history. So we have to ask the question about Taylor Young. Uh, but you, outside of you know that, that one guy who's, I think, top five in basically every statistical category for Baylor on their all-time list is what it seems like, at least. Um, they have a lot of young talent that's coming around. So will, uh, will that defense improve? Because I think that you know, if Baylor can put up four or five touchdowns with this, with this offensive core, you know, one or two stops would be enough to, to kind of flip the fortunes for them this year. It should. Um... Second season with Phil Snow as defensive coordinator. He runs a Tampa 2 defense that's a little more complicated. Uh, there'd be times in the game where Davian Hall, who was a really talented recruit, um, picked Baylor over A&M kind of at the end, would be 30 yards downfield, and you'd be like, Davian, you need to be like 15. What are we doing here, my man? Um, so in the second year, the hope is that guys have kind of learned a system that's a little more complex. The other thing is there's, again, that kind of personnel improvement. James Larkhart was a Texas A&M transfer should play quite a bit at the defensive line position. Um, Blake Lynch was a big recruit um, out of Gilmer, Texas, was a really talented quarterback, wide receiver, and defensive player. Should play safety full-time. Safety was one of the worst positions last year. So the defense really should make the leap. The kind of question for me is more the offensive line, but the defense was horrible last year. Again, you don't have to be great to beat the Iowa States and Texas Techs of the world in the Big 12. I know people are real hyped on Matt Campbell. I'm still not sold that the clones are some great team because they caught Oklahoma one day last season before kind of falling off at the end of the season. But I got I guess that's enough hot takes for one answer, but the defense should be good. Uh, Clay Johnston was a talented linebacker losing Taylor young will obviously be very tough for the bears, but a new year at the system should be pretty good for the team. Uh, Temple in year two under Phil snow, they improved 97 spots in S and P plus yeah. don't have to improve that much to, get to six wins in this conference with the non-conference schedule the Bears will play, and that's what I think they should be able to do this year. Yeah, I mean, it really it really shakes out to, you know, three or four wins in the conference, so beat less than half of the teams, and you should be good. So, you know, you may have already hit on it, but what's your, what's your one thing to watch 
for Baylor this season? Like, what's your one thing that you want uh, to keep an eye on throughout the throughout their season? Sure, I think it's almost exclusively the offensive line. Uh, watching the offensive line is kind of boring, uh, <laughs> but it's really it is that. <laughs> we're we're a podcast that respects the the guys in the trenches, so it's okay. Right. That's fair. Um, so it's that group. Um, Charlie Brewer, Pro Football Focus, had a stat that if he had 2.6 seconds or more to throw, he was the nation's most accurate quarterback and had the highest QBR in the country. Now Blake, um, or not, Blake Bortles, the old Mizzou quarterback um, who came after Brad Smith, who was that former pick of like the Jaguars. Oh, Chase Dan. Oh, I was thinking Chase Daniel. I can't, I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head. Um, he's out of, he was with the 49ers for a bit too and is terrible. Uh, Blaine Gabbert? Oh, yes, Blaine Gabbert. Gabbert. Yes, yes. <laughs> there was that stat too for Blaine Gabbert where it was like, if he has three seconds to throw, he's unstoppable. So you run into that <laughs> a little bit. Um, but the Baylor offensive line, with the skill positions they have, if they just get to mediocre, they can be real good. Hasty was a five plus yard running back um, when the line was better and the scheme was better for the kind of guys they had. We know these guys are talented. You just give them some time, there's hope. But if there's not a lot of time, there's not going to be much coming for the Bears. That was that was almost that was almost philosophical. I felt <laughs> I felt good. Um, so at the end of all these interviews, something that we do is we we ask um, we ask some questions that we like to call overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated. And so we've got a, a series of things that we want to ask you that are um, Baylor related, whether it's Waco or you know just something tangentially that w- Kyle and I have made the connections in our weird brains to Baylor. Uh, so we want to get your opinion whether these things are overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated. So uh, I guess I'll kick it off because this was uh, my favorite question and, and thankfully my wife doesn't actually listen to this podcast. Overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated Chip and Joanna Gaines. I think appropriately rated, honestly. Uh, I think it's kind of, you centralize it with, you had that criticism that was like, they focus too much on their careers, they're not good enough with their family, you had the divorce rumors, so that's maybe one side of the spectrum, not saying it's left or right, but it's one side of the spectrum, and the other side of the spectrum you have like, they're the greatest thing to ever happen, Magnolia's perfect, let's go wait at the silos for eight hours, kind of insane too. (laughs) But then you have the take that's just like, hey, they're building some nicer houses for some people that want them in Waco, they get some tourism in there, they seem to be good parents, and they care about Baylor, so they're good people. So I think that's appropriately rated, Um, but you got some wackos on kind of both sides opposite them where you're like, that kind of balances it out. These are are some good folks. I like it. I like the tourism angle. It's good. Yeah, for sure. We can only see one wall uh, that you're uh, video casting from, but I don't see any shiplap back there, so you may want to work on that. I got nothing on the walls. This is the basicest <laughs> department in human history. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we'll get Chip and Joe out there. Um, so uh, the the second one, overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated, is uh, cowboy coffee, or if you want to go a little further, common ground. Overrated as can be. I don't want oh, wow. coffee. I don't drink coffee, so I guess it's a little fair. I'm more rating it on the aesthetic vibe. Um, my move was never to be 19 and try and play the guitar to woo the ladies. <laughs> now, I am single as well, so maybe that explains that mistakes <laughs> were made by me back in the day. But it's busy. The people that drink the coffee there, I don't think like it. They're trying to make a statement. My statement was never <laughs> that I was a hipster. Um, so it's it's not for me. There's nowhere to park. It's weird to walk there because, like, three intersections come together it's a horrible experience. It's hot there all the time. The tables aren't comfortable. Very, very overrated. <laughs> this is a this is a great take. I uh, so I was my my girlfriend is a Baylor alum, and so I've been take, 
I've I've made the trip to Waco on her behalf, and actually that was what I found was the most enjoyable thing about Waco was I was like, oh, there's actually uh, decent coffee here, you know, coming from the big city. Uh, I didn't expect to find you know any any non-chain uh, coffee, so at least if you set the expectations low, it certainly goes above. But I I do know some people who absolutely would inject cowboy coffee straight into their veins, but that might just be part of the the bubble mentality. I <laughs> love it. Okay, so next one, and this this one I, I'm really interested. Overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated Dr. Pepper? Overrated. Um, and that's kind of blasphemy from Baylor. They try and give it to you all the time. Um, there's that old South Park that asks, is it cola? Is it root beer? What is it trying to be? Drink a Coke, drink a root beer, drink something else. I don't like it. They make those Dr. Pepper floats. They'll give them away for free. If you go to Baylor once a week, you can just drink all those you want. And I'm left thinking I would rather just have ice cream and a Coke than whatever this is. Um, it's also it was problematic for a while because Baylor was sponsored by like RC Cola because it was like Dr. Pepper sponsored stuff too. And you don't want RC Cola as your university drink sponsor on top of that. But because Dr. Pepper existed as that drink, it was like, well, we have Dr. Pepper. And it was like, y'all don't even drink pop. You don't know what this country is about. We need to get Coke in here. Um, so Dr. Pepper has made my life tougher. Overrated. Wow. I mean, I, I did not expect that we would get the, uh, the the take master out here, but I will absolutely uh, I will absolutely sit my girlfriend down if she doesn't listen to any other podcast and make her listen to uh, these great takes you're throwing out now. Um, <laughs> speaking of throwing, um, you're not the only team in the Big 12 known for this, but this is one I didn't know until I was given the campus tour. But overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated throwing – tortillas onto a from a bridge onto a what is a concrete pillar instead of stuffing them with the delicious meats and cheeses and eating them i think appropriately rated it was not a venture i took part in but unlike common grounds or dr pepper it was an aspect of life you could avoid the people that seemed (laughs) to want to do it did it it was kind of quick they'd post on when i was at baylor it was like two when i was like it seems to be more popular among the freshmen and sophomores so the gram wasn't hopping back then or Twitter. So, you know, people would be on Facebook. They'd post their thing. They'd be like, oh, I made some new friends. Being 19's fun. And I think that's kind of where it's wholesome fun for the 19-year-olds to have their tortillas. Um, so appropriately rated. But it's not like a wild time or anything crazy. Is being 19 actually fun? Is the It may be a follow-up question to that. <laughs> uh, so this may not be a, a, an overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated. But what did you guys have to do to... Um, you know, I, I don't know how to say this, but you know, you guys brought somebody in for the freshman class that feels a little bit like, Hey, we're going to copy your homework, but change it up a little bit. So it doesn't look like we cheated this flow Thamba guy. Like what, what that, that just feels, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Hey, can, can you, can you speak? Texas had a Mo Bamba. We have flow Thamba. <laughs> Can, can you can you can you explain for the coaching staff how they've managed to um, clone and not quite perfect it in in a one year process? I mean, it is so similar of a name. I will tell you, he is unlikely to play too much this season. So you know, we're not just cloning him. But it was kind of yeah. If he does have like a block or something wild, I'm sure we'll all be like, oh, Flo Thamba, Mo Bamba. It's still be unbelievable. Yeah, I didn't even <laughs> thought about that. It's like I'm right about Baylor hoops a lot and I hadn't even thought of the flow Thamba Mo Bamba because I think he's unlikely to play too often this season but in a couple of years he'll be like what yes store that one in the tank by by that time Mo Bamba will be a three-time all-star love it love it uh Kendall thank you so much for uh for your time man where can folks uh connect with you when you're not on uh on this podcast yeah so I 
I'm on the Twitter machine. Um, you can follow me at KKAUT. Not a very easy handle. Probably should make it easier, but I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> at KCOUT. Um, follow me on Twitter. I got a Facebook. Um, I don't know why you'd want a Facebook friend me, but I got that too if for some reason you want to see me taking photos of places in life. Love it. And then you can always read his stuff at Our Daily Bears. They are uh, doing some great Baylor stuff. He actually put up a little Charlie Brewer article today that I read and found very fascinating and, and informed some more conversation today. Kendall, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out and uh, and uh, speaking with us today. Oh, thanks, Gerald. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kyle. It was great. So with some big recruiting updates, we now bring on Cody Daniel, the man, the myth, the legend himself. Cody, thank you so much for uh, hopping on on short notice with all these commitments in the last few days. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm, I'm here for the party. I love it. We, uh, <laughs> we, I, I don't know what party is going on, um, but it's, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll try to, we'll try to light it up here. Uh, so like, like I said, Texas had in the last, I guess, eight, nine days, whenever you were listening to this, uh, three pretty big commitments come down. Uh, and so we'll, we'll break some of those down. We'll start with the guys on defense. So, uh, you know, they got a Marcus Cal, a Mark, Marcus, Mark, Marcus, I think Marquise Caldwell. Caldwell. Yeah. Marquise and Marquise. There you go. And, uh, and, uh, Chris Adamora added to the mix, you know, after one of the greatest defensive back classes in recent memory, what do those two guys add to the mix with, with so much, uh, talent already on campus? Yeah, well, on the surface, they're just going to add depth, um, but they both have tremendous upside. I mean, they're, they're the kind of guys who um, are going to lay the wood. I, I, I've seen comparisons to, um, like, just in passing kind of comparisons to Deshaun to, to Elliott, which is the hard hitting, and he just always seems to be in the right place at the right time to get interceptions. He had seven last year, and he also plays on offense. So, I mean, he's going to have that playmaking ability with it. But, I mean, if, when you're looking at the safety position, if you're Texas, ideally – he won't have to play much for the next two two to three years can develop because right. you would ideally want BJ Foster and Caden Stearns to secure that, that role. I mean, and w- with Marquise, it's, it's more of a long-term thing that his upside is pretty tremendous with his frame. He can guard, uh, he can defend the, the taller receivers, the guys like Colin Johnson, the guys like, like Jalen Rager, but um, and, I mean, he has really good instincts in coverage, but he's going to need to, to kind of tighten up his, his technique tackling. He's another hard hitter, but he doesn't really wrap up, which uh, hitting guys in the Big 12 and, and hitting Rodney Anderson from OU, that's that's not the same <laughs> thing as, as running into the 5'8 the running back at your high school. So, um, But, right. I mean, they're, it, it's depth. It's adding more competition. And they're guys that in two to three years, uh, you'll hear about them in the spring quietly making a push. And, and hey, like this is a guy that might come out and, and make some noise this year. I mean, kind of like Elliot did where he just had that jump and people knew the talent was there, but there just needed to be the development. And you said it, you can't teach size. Both of these guys are, are, you know, six, one or six, one and a half, depending on who's measuring, whether it's their coach, their mom, or somebody that's actually measuring them. Uh, so that, that, I think that's great. Um, you know, it's, again, yeah, Adam Moore is a grown man already. Yeah, yeah, I, he looks like he has a mortgage and and you know at least a job or two. I'm just I'm just saying. Uh, so you're shifting to the other position that maybe Texas has an embarrassment of riches at. Well, we can't say that a ton. Is you know the other guy that picked up is uh, Demario in Houston uh, out of Oklahoma, Millwood High School. Uh, you know people may remember guys like Josh Turner out of Millwood High School who uh, had a pretty decent career in Burnt Orange. So where does that guy you know with the you know Whittington Smith? Texas already has you know a pretty 
pretty decent size classic wide receiver and then they have a ton of guys already on campus where does he slot in uh to the to the scheme what is what does he bring to the table that maybe these other guys don't yeah well i mean where he fits i think a lot of that will have to do with um the development of guys already on campus like josh moore brennan eagles avante woodard such and such um whittington and, and jake smith are most likely going to be slot receivers but i think his will be another situation where he's obviously versatile he can play he can play slot he returns he, he can play on the outside but i mean he's just a burner he he has like that devin duvernay type of skill set when he's just gonna run by you and he, he goes up he makes a play on the ball but because texas has talent that got there with this class and then who it comes in with i think how quickly he's able to jump into it jump into like the two deep is going to depend on the development of all americans above him but i mean he has a speed that i mean he can be a deep threat without question he's going to run by you I mean he runs a 10-7 in the 100 a 4-340 so his speed will get him on the field then it's just how reliable can you be as getting yourself open and creating separation on routes and actually catching the ball i mean john burt's a blazer but he's obviously had issues with hauling in the catches so right I mean, two to three years, I think he's another guy that just needs some development. But, I mean, the speed is there. The the instincts are there. The hands, from what I can see, are there. But at the same time, I mean, there, there's always that big jump where all Americans arrive at Texas and they don't really produce as well. So I like I like the idea, though, of, of recruiting for an ideal world where Colin Johnson goes and plays on Sundays, little Jordan Humphrey goes, where so the next group steps up. So just keep – loading it up with a Tom Herman type of offense that he likes to run. You need weapons. I think we're excited about Whittington Smith, the tight ends we got in. So I think just adding in one more guy there, Demari in Houston really sets us up, not just for what fans are going to see this year, but for the, you know, down the road for the future, for adding Texas as a program, not as 2018 Texas, the team. Yeah, and, and something else on Houston, um, shout out to our knowledgeable burn orange nation readers. Uh, something that I, a few readers were pointing out was, that if, if he's a guy that Mike Gundy and them wanted at Oklahoma State, with their recent history of wide receivers, right. if that's a guy they were gunning for, take note and ride that and try to get the same type of talent. I mean, for sure. they, they found the under-the-radar guys who turn out to be beasts. So um, if they wanted him that bad, he's obviously got some go to him. You know, it's it's the, the, the stars, I think – uh, for me, mat- are mattering less and less with the uh, deep evaluations the staff seems to be doing, uh, because they're 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 seeming to find. I mean, Tom Herman made his mint uh, at Houston by finding diamonds in the rough. So I think with the Texas cachet and their ability to to be Texas, I, I like I like seeing these guys. Um, yeah, you know, them bringing in guys that maybe aren't the uh, the quote unquote blue chippers. Yeah, I mean Jared Wiley's a perfect example of that. He's he's extremely under the radar, but he doesn't even really play tight end. He, he's going back to quarterback this year. Like you get those guys that nobody else really sought after like that, and then you turn a to turn somebody with a pretty nice nice size uh, and, and just the the IQ he's gonna have. Just you know what I'm saying? Like, the under the radar kind of guys like that and. We're always have to to sit back. Is at the end of the day, these guys know more football than me. So, who am I to judge their their evaluations? I love bringing in guys who uh, played play quarterbacks. Seem to know the game better than anybody but offensive linemen. Maybe that's just me being uh, an offensive line guy. But no, I think absolutely. I think you're you're spot on. I'm just ready to see the rest of the Big Twelve. Uh, give them a little. You got served with this. Uh, Hybrid, who the first time I saw his name, I, I immediately thought of Omarion slash Marcus Houston. So uh, let's just hope he's got all the all this all those same moves. You know, he's hey, he's right at the celebrations in the end zone with that one. 
<laughs> so it seems like there are some guys that are coming down, um, you know, toward committing to Texas. Uh, you, you, we've talked about Javon Shepard a couple of times where uh, he just needs to go ahead and, and make the commitment. Your avatar is there. You're talking Texas. So it, out, out, maybe outside of Shepard or if Shepard's the slam dunk answer, I'll let you have it. Uh, who should fans expect to see commit next and, and keep this momentum train going as Texas finally jumps into the top 10 on 24-7's rankings? Yeah, if, if you're saying next, I think the most plausible answer would be Shepard. Um, he, but he, he said he wants to take his official visits first, but it, it's also the kind of thing where I wouldn't be surprised if he committed tomorrow. Um, there's not too many commitments that are like in the next threshold where it'd be like in the next two or three weeks, but I think a guy that could spark a chain would be Tarian Carter, um, the three-star edge rusher. He's he's cousins with Jeffrey Carter, who has Texas in his top four, and now they're teammates, along with uh, – safety Jalen Catalan and all three of those guys want to play together and I think I mean Jalen isn't announcing until January but I think Tari is the one that could spark like a ripple effect where Texas starts landing a few really key guys in the secondary just because of the, the family tie and them wanting to play together so right. and, and he has a August, October 24th uh, commitment date so it's still a ways off but um, Texas is in a pretty good position right there he's top two along with TCU and you know what? Bring more guys from Mansfield. I, I, I just, I don't know. Mansfield has always, I feel like, produced killers. So I love seeing Mansfield guys. Uh, so uh, you mentioned it earlier with running back. You know, Texas kind of still in a in a weird position with running back. We don't know what we have because maybe our top two guys haven't put on a burner and uniform on a Saturday yet. Uh, so with that current situation, Texas needs to probably bring in a big-time running back to try to keep momentum going. I think Texas should probably always have a big-time running back in the hopper. That's just my own personal opinion. And it looks like it may be in a position to do that. IMG Academy uh, running backs, the kind of five-star Trey Sanders and four-star Noah Kane, both have Texas in their final group. So where does Texas sit with those two guys? Yeah, um, each of them, Texas is in a really good position. Uh, there was a time when Noah Kane pretty much looked like a lock, and if not, it was a uh, a Texas LSU thing. Now he's he's kind of evaluating his options more openly. Ohio State's in the mix, Penn State. Um, but Trey Sanders visited um, earlier in the month. When uh, he, he Not this month, my bad. He visited about a month ago, was blown away with it. He plans to return for an official visit. And obviously both those guys being IMG Academy guys, they want to play together, both high on Texas. But they're also both high on the fact that they want to see improvement and they want NFL development possibilities now. I know Stan Drayton's resume speaks for itself, mm-hmm. but last year was nothing to write home about. And this year you have it, it, what should be an improved offensive line, uh, which is, and you're adding Calvin Anderson to the mix. And, I mean, I, I think to land one of those guys, which um, you need to have probably get Trey Watson to about eight or 900 yards in get him in like the fifth or sixth round of the draft. I mean, they want to see that development with as many options as they have. If you're not giving them something that catches their eye, you're not going to get the top running back in the country. It's just not right. going to happen. Right. Given, given those guys, we know about them and we know what, uh, what we need to get in, get in the hopper. Who are, who are the Texas, I guess, biggest, uh, biggest bulls still out there, the top targets remaining that they, they want to land or need to land to, to bring this class where it wants to be. Uh, obviously, Shepard, you need Shepard, uh, Javon Shepard out of Houston North Forest. Um, uh, wide receiver, there's there's guys you would like to get, but 
uh, like Dylan Wright, Elijah Higgins, who just named Texas in his top seven yesterday. Dylan Wright's been pretty high on Texas throughout the entire process. Um, the same with Bro McCoy, but yeah. Texas will need a phenomenal season with him, but he'll be in town for the USC game. So what better way to, to try to make an impression than sending USC home with a loss? Um, those guys, but I, I think it, even in an ideal world, they're only going to get one. Obviously the running backs we just talked about uh, defensively when like the defensive line recruiting hasn't gone as well as like one might hope this cycle. Um, but mm-hmm. Tari and Carter is probably the guy that they'll get. Jermaine Johnson has Texas in the top five, but um, which he just released a few hours ago. But I, I'd be pretty surprised if he ended up anywhere other than Georgia. And just with the other guys we talked about earlier, Jeffrey Carter, the the former Oklahoma cornerback commit, and Jalen Catalan at, at safety. I mean, it, it's not going to be a massive class like last year's was, which is understandable. I mean, the last few classes have – gotten it to the point plus with the lack of attrition this year that you don't need to bring mm-hmm. in 30 guys but if they can strike out I mean they if they can like if, if they can hit a home run with four or five more four-star guys maybe a five-star with somebody like Trey Sanders I think the class will probably finish top six top top six or top seven and be right where you want it where you still have spots open for next year when ideally Texas would finally be able to sell hey we actually made further progress not just snuck right. into a bowl game at six and six you know all of that change we've been touting is actually happening. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the thing. I'm what I was wondering with him. Like like last year, nobody expected Texas to lose to Maryland or Texas Tech, and right. this year, where, where does things go if Texas slumps to six and six again, or they only get seven wins out of the regular season? I mean, a one win improvement. Like, at, at what point can you quit selling recruits on the future? when you're winning seven games. Yeah, it's it, it's a good point. I think uh, I think Texas will always have com- some cachet because it is Texas, it is the flagship. You can always sell history. But, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I, I'd like to not have to do that, to sell history and sell the future. Go ahead and sell, hey, we got these six guys, you know, drafted. We got, you know, a big, big uh, maybe not New Year's Day, but a big bowl game win. You know, like these things that you can actually recruit, can feel and see and tangibly touch. Um you know, you could start having some some Mac Brown glory days recruiting classes if you could put both the product on the field with the uh, with the salesman that I think think Herman and, and a lot of his guys on his staff seem to be. Yeah, and without getting too far off topic, um, I, I think if there's ever a year for that step to be made, it would be 2018. Not just from a Texas standpoint, but because much of the Big 12, I don't I don't know if down is the right word. But Oklahoma isn't going to be as, as good as they may be. They're not going to be as good as they were last year with right. as much as they lost. Oklahoma State lost a ton. TCU mm-hmm. lost like 15 starters. Yep. I mean, if, if there's a chance, the same with USC, they lost all that talent to the NFL, and they, they get them at home this year. If there's a chance to take that actual step. I mean, 2018 seems like the perfect time before the Okie States and, and TCUs regroup and then their powerhouses again. Yeah, I mean, I think wide open is the term that, that it feels. If, if your most experienced teams in the conference are West Virginia and Iowa State, then it's a pretty uh, pretty wide open playing field. And this is definitely yeah. the year for a team like Texas that needs to get back on top or a team like you know Iowa State that wants to prove, hey, we're one of the big boys, like – prove it this year this yeah, is the man, year to is, do it this is the time to do it well cody thank you so much for for carving some time out i know i literally hit you up 24 hours ago so i appreciate <laughs> you making some time to do this man um and again man where can the folks find you on the internet at cody daniel sbn that's where 
That's where I'm at, shooting out hot tweets. Most of the time, it's about the Sixers. Just, just bear with me. <laughs> Are the Sixers the team to beat in the East? Let's just transition there. <sighs> they're not, man. It's, it's, as bad as I want them to be, they're not. I mean, the only way I would go that far is if Fultz's shot is what it was expected to be and Simmons can actually hit out to about 15 feet. But I think Simmons is a year or two away from, from – like a, another year or two away from that. Um, and I just – Boston is so well coached. I mean, they were mm-hmm. in Game Seven mm-hmm. of the East Finals against LeBron without their two All Stars. Like that's just, yep. yep. Like Boston has the path paved to just run through the East for the next few years. It, it'll be interesting to watch. And again, man, big ups on your uh, on your new gig over at Vibe, man. Congrats on that. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Awesome, Cody. Thank you so much for taking some time out. I, we'll uh, we'll connect soon. I right, appreciate y'all having me, man. Yeah, man. Just keep trusting the process. Oh, have to. And now it's the time of the show where we honor one of the best traditions going on any campus, one of our favorite traditions on the 40 Acres, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Um, so I'm actually uh, going back to the well. Been baseball here, heavy, just kind of nostalgia the past uh, past couple weeks. I think I mixed some basketball in there. But uh, Texas baseball did have their kind of team awards. And this is something Coach Pierce introduced last year uh, after his first year. So it's the second year doing this. And I think it's a really cool thing. I'm glad they do it. Um, you know, there are some of these kind of football awards that have, that have happened as well. Um, banquet, though, can be a bit of a red wedding, if you remember Mac Brown. But, uh, you know, this is the baseball award banquet. And, uh, and they gave out some awards, probably some that you would expect, um, some that may have been a little surprising and, and some that just leave you feeling good. Um, so the big winners, um, we had a couple uh, folks who won multiple awards. But uh, the big winner, as you would expect, was Cody Clemens, who took home the team MVP, the Brooks Kisnick team MVP as well as the Keith Moreland offensive player of the year. I don't think either of those are big, uh, big surprises, but uh, I did love the um, James and Houston street Longhorn award uh, going to Andy McGuire, Uh, McGuire, a guy who um, just kind of played all over, did whatever the team and coach Pearson needed. Um, This is a season of guys like that who just plugged and played and and thrived. Um, And so just really awesome to see him, um, see him honored for what I think was a great year. And then um, I think if you would have asked anyone in the beginning of the season, this is probably not the name you would have expected, but for the Greg Swindell Pitcher of the Year Award went to uh, our boy Parker Joe. Parker Joe Robinson uh, took that home as the, the top Longhorn ace. Um, so congrats to him. And then my favorite piece of this is that Jake McKenzie, um, the – reigning I guess the the two time and there are only two since coach Pierce has been here Sean Braswell academic MVP so Jake McKenzie um no surprise who's a very very smart man um but Sean Braswell I went back and looked just because I was curious was a plan to honors student who was a uh, 1998 Rhodes Scholar so McKenzie is not the first genius we've had, but uh, nonetheless, he uh, he took home that award. And then also, in just an awesome fashion, he won the Spike Owen Defensive Player of the Year, which is which is great because I think uh, McKenzie was like a glue guy from the way everything everyone on the team talked about him. Just everyone's friend, you know, a guy who made the locker room go around. Really, just did whatever day in day out the coach wanted. Ended up being a super critical piece in the in the run in in the playoffs and in the College World Series. Um, but played literally every position on the field. He did that. All in one game um, for Texas and ended up being their first baseman and I think very deservingly for his performance both off the field and on the field but just excited to see um, kind of one last piece that we could talk about and think about the the Texas baseball team you know it's it's not 
it would feel weird if Kyle wasn't talking about baseball in some way, shape, or form. So I'm glad that you were able to kind of shoehorn it, horn it in. So my uh, my bang the drum this week is on a new enterprise, the uh, the American Flag Football League, the AFFL. Now this wouldn't normally be something we talk about on uh, on our podcast, except a name that listeners might recognize: one Ramonce Taylor who you may remember from the 2005 National Championship team accumulating 1,200 offensive yards and 15 touchdowns. Kind of a monster on the field for the Longhorns before running into some academic and uh, personal issues. So he is the star of the money team, which I'm assuming is associated with Floyd Mayweather's the money team brand, but he is leading that team. They are going into the semifinals of the American flag football league. Now this is really just a, uh, an excuse for me to say a couple of other names that I've really wanted to say for quite a while. One of the other team leaders that's out there, Texas fans probably may have nightmares about Seneca Wallace is the quarterback for a, uh, for the Godspeed in the American flag football league. And uh, Nate Robinson is also leading a team that actually just recently lost Nate Robinson of the NBA, who was also a, <laughs> an all American at Washington playing defensive back. Uh, or was it wide receiver? I don't remember. He's tiny either way, uh, but these guys are all playing flag football. So it's really cool to see guys like Ramon's Taylor, who never really got a shot to play and live out his NFL dream. He bounced around the CFL. He's bounced around a couple of te- you know, Texas based football, Football leagues. He's got uh, right now. He's in the uh, the Champions Indoor Football League, uh, which I've never heard of, but I'm glad that he is. Uh, he's making a, making a go for it. But I think it's just cool to see um, one more football in any type of thing, and then it's just cool to see stuff like all these old NFL guys that maybe didn't get a sh- get a shot or a fair shake or whatever it may be, getting to kind of live out some of their gridiron dreams in a really cool way. Yeah, uh, don't sleep on guys who aren't in the league but still are athletic. The big three uh, basketball thing is is absolutely fantastic, too. I I hope this turns into uh, the next iteration of that, where it's just the stars that you wonder where they went, who just uh, do a light version of what they did so well. Uh, Ramon's also dunked once in Gregory when I was in the gym. Um, I would think I was waiting to run next on the court, and I just immediately let someone else go in line because it was one of the most vicious and athletic things I'd seen a human being do, and I wanted... No, no piece of that. Ramon Taylor was a freak. I think I was that one of the few times I went and hooped at Gregory. I think was that time, and and seeing Ramon mm-hmm. Taylor dunk at at Greg mm-hmm. is, is just still haunts my dreams. Because like, wait, that guy, that guy plays football. What's he? I guess <laughs> a, apparently athletes just gonna athlete when they get an opportunity to athlete. Uh, but that's <laughs> the show for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. And Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at uh, Kyle Carpenter where I will be, you know, spitting out hot hot takes. I Spurs offseason's heating up, so get a little basketball in there. Of course, cover the Longhorns. Uh, you'll get some soccer stuff during the World Cup, um, you know, and, and maybe the occasional burger review mixed in there. <laughs> uh, and he hasn't cried too much about Tony Parker. We're just going to leave that one there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at G.H. Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter, Longhorn Pod. You can connect with us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic, and feel free to choose an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening in again this week. And until next time, hook em. Hook em. Hook em.